Okay, here we go. The Panda Maggie Show. He's about to get crazy and wild. Stay for a while. Don't touch a radio the dial. The Panda Show. Kicking it back. Sports talk. Listen to that and stay tuned for some giggles and laughs. Go. <laughs> Welcome to the Planet Mikey Show. Tonight's show is about bestiality. No, no, I'm kidding. We, we're not going to do that at all. Actually, i got to mention the sponsors, right? i got a memo on that. i got a memo on that. It said, don't forget to mention the sponsors. Uh, so the Planet Mikey podcast is brought to you by Dr. Robert Leonard, 1-800-GET-HAIR. Six offices in New England. If you're bald, you shouldn't be. They'll take care of that for you. And our good friends at Joe Fish, they're going to provide all the food for the broadcast. They don't know it yet. For the next six years. Uh, episode 14, we're happy as hell to have a guy with us tonight who, I, and I'm going to say this unabashedly, the self-effacing former face of Channel 4, WBZ Boston, uh, the greatest sports anchor in New England history. Come on. No, I'm, I knew you were going to say that. Is cause, microphone even on? Is his mic on? No. Is it, was it the volume? Well, ben, do something. Can you hear? Can you hear yourself? Yeah. No, it's not on standby. Let's do. Hold a te- on. Technical check. <laughs> Is that? Yeah. No. No. Hello. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're definitely starting this over. Now, oh. Ben, I hear you. Okay. Oh, there ah, there we go. I got you. Nice job, Bill. The, Thanks very much. Everybody. Click and nice switch. Job. Are we done? That's good. That's a little. Uh, Thanks, show's over. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so that's our podcast. Thanks to Bob yeah, Bell for right. coming in. Thanks to Joe Fish. Obi Wan Kenobi is what I call you, and I do that with all f- true affection. For My me. grandson calls me Obi. He does. Yep. Obi is Bob. the quintessential sports anchor of the town. And I know oh. that you you tra- you traversed decades where where habits change when it comes to watching late night they, news. They have. Yes, they have. Uh, in a great way. There was a, probably a piece of pie that was or a pie that was cut up into four slices back when you were were uh, in your heyday, as you will. Uh, now, that was 1979 when you came here, right? Well, we first started. That's right. And then I moved over in the weekends. Well, when Jimmy Myers threw down his microphone and walked off the set, it created an opening. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was working in, at the state radio station with Upton Bell doing a uh, call and talking call calling all sports. sports. Yeah. Before Norm Risha. <laughs> yes. Before. Wow. Norm Risha. Yep. Absolutely. When was the last time you thought of Norm, by the way? Uh the day I walked out of BZ. <laughs> wow. So that's how that's what what got got the whole thing going before the, the jump to TV. Yeah. Well, they brought Liz Walker in, and it was a very bold move by the station to, you know, put uh, an African American woman, to say the least, on their regular news at night. It was, it was a big time decision, and the fact that she and I got to, got along so weather on the weekends, yeah. we were like brother and sister, and really had a great time you together. You still are too with her. Yes, that's true. We have a great relationship. But they, I'm convinced, they brought me over uh, Monday through Friday to sit next to her and make her feel comfortable. I swear, Mikey, I think that was why they put me on Monday through Friday to relax her, to relax her, to make her feel comfortable because she was the one that had to succeed or fail wasn't uh, another white guy sportscaster it right, was right. just fill a seat but that's how it all kind of worked out and that was in 1979 which is going to be 40 years ago very soon it was right there yeah you know, i got my daughter's going to be 40 this year and that's a long time ago uh, and you you maintained that for almost well, 30 years well it was, a, it was a while it was i don't even remember how long it was it was maybe 25 whatever it was it was it was an amazing <laughs> 
thing that I never, ever expected to happen or thought about happening or can even believe it actually happened. Well, it was a huge run, a great run. And, uh, you know, obviously when somebody I say, else. It happened to somebody else. I mean, that's the way I look at it. But when I know. say the best sports anchor in the, in the history of New England television, I'm not being, you know, I'm not kissing your ass here. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm admitting that there's a fact to it. Uh, the golden age. Uh, you were untoppable. In that. Now, with all due respect to Lynchy, and well, I like Lynchy, Lynchy and I are close friends, and yeah. we talk about riding the wave, and that was the wave when we were both, you know, it was yeah. us and Dino and uh, Mike, myself, Dino, and whatever else was going. Yeah, but Lynchy you was, were going. Lynchy you were was on, more of a he was more like a jockey type to a lot of people. Uh, you even the women liked to watch you, <laughs> uh, and uh, Dino, I don't know, he was just kind of a pompous douche, but. Uh, you know, Lynch certainly had I'm a, a big popular. I'm not the only popular, one that feels that way. Then, yeah, big audience, a big popular. But you were number one in your time slot, and for the longest time, it was like automatic. You didn't go I, to the newspaper to ESPN. I think to the it was internet. a humor thing. I think it was. I was really serious about not being serious. Right, right. And, you know, there were some terrible stories that we had to cover. Uh, Norm Levier, uh, Glenn Bias, Reggie Lewis, Reggie Lewis. They're all you know some really rough stories. But on the other hand. For the most part, it was all fun and games, and you couldn't couldn't take it all that seriously. And if you start taking yourself seriously, you know people would know that and would start tuning out. So you just had to be serious about not being serious, right? And you you were like the king of the eye roll, you know. So you'd show something, somebody say some soundbite, and you just roll. You wouldn't have to say anything. I, you know what? It was. I can't explain it. It was just, you know. The one thing about why I figure, well, why do people get nervous about getting in front of a camera? Well, they don't want to be perceived as a jerk. They don't want to be perceived as an idiot, and they don't want to be perceived as something they don't think they are. It took me about two years to get over that, and then I said, well, hell with it. Yeah, I'm just going to be who I am. It's easier that way, isn't it? It's a lot more fun, and it is easier if you don't go crazy, if, if you... If you just kind of keep it in the road. Yeah. And, and you don't have to maintain a character that's not you. Right. You know, which makes it just. Well, you know, that's that 42 regular mentality. Usually, as you see in today, um, everybody is pretty much oh. straight laced and. Generic. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I Your think cookie that's, cutter is. I mean, that's the word I come up with. I don't know. Do you know any. Ben, do you know any of these guys names? Any of these TV sports anchors now? I mean, locally or nationally or both. Either. Yeah. No, nobody watches them anymore. I can't even tell you who the people on ESPN I mean, on, are. I, honestly, I really only know because of working in the business and ha having known them in the periphery. But I, if I didn't work at EEI, I would have no idea who they were. I think you had to be entertainment. I think you have to understand it was really primarily entertainment. And don't get don't get so full of yourself that you think you're a reporter because yeah. you're not. How much you're not doing? You're not a reporter. You're an entertainer. Get over it. Right. And in, in your case, in the TV news. You know, sports segments sometimes they could go up to six, seven minutes on weekends in particular. Yeah. But largely, you had three to five yeah. minutes to get it done, and to also uh, get across your personality. You know, for whatever that is at the time, you want to have. Nowadays, they go, they all rely on all these catchphrases. I look at the ESPN. I don't. I can't name any of these guys. Can no. you? No. Not anymore. No. You know, it's like. You know, you just have to have been true to yourself and not taken by yourself and i think what happens is i get the impression a lot of these guys are taken by themselves plus they're being dominated by minority groups now women women oh, thank you very much <laughs> you know is there a male sports a male weatherman around anywhere uh, uh no and and there should there be is the question no I, why would there why would you do that <laughs> it's 
And, and by the way, you want to talk about cookie cutter. I, I, I watch these guys on, uh, you know, I'm not knocking Nesson or anything, but who the hell are they? Where do they, you know, what's it, what's attractive about their presentation of, of any, well, any kind of It comes in expensively. You watch any yeah. of them. It's just, it's all the same. It's just bland, blah. You know what? It's, but you, uh, you think about it, it's also cheap. You can't really fault these guys or women because they're all looking for the same jobs we were looking for, and they're all looking for the sure. same opportunities. It's just that competition's a little steeper. However, uh, the irony is that there are so many more stations that you can have a shot at working at. That's true. I uh, I mean, I, I believe me, I came up, as Lynch used to call it, AAA over at Necken. He's... He was very, very nice about that to all of us working with the AAA circuit. Uh, but I did I would did shows with Jimmy Young, who is drier than a camel's grundle, you know, in the Sahara with the wind blowing. Come on, he's a good guy. Of course he's a good guy, but, really, you know. Really? He used to announce before the beginning of his show, he'd go, this is the Sports World Weekend Show with Jimmy Young. We've got 90 minutes. To, and I'm thinking to myself, don't say that. <laughs> don't start with 90 minutes. How much right. did you guys compete right. with each other? Were there rivalry, like true rivalries between you? Between Mike and me? No, 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 no not between. No. But between Lynch, Lynch and John. I and... would say, Lynchy, we were pretty much working for numbers and letters and that and we were friends. We were just working for different numbers and different letters. Right. It was the other guy that covering we the same stuff too. Yeah, covering the same stuff. And we had pretty much the same staffs, you know, and it was the the other guy, Dino, that really was He majored not, in self importance. He was You both went to the same college? I, I, yeah, I know. We did so did Julian Edelman, okay, for that matter. Both <laughs> Kent, Kent State. Kent State. It's okay. It was a great school in Ohio. There were some people that but, wished that he'd gone to Kent State a couple years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I, sorry. That's no, terrible. It was terrible. But I, at, at any rate, that's that's what it was. <laughs> I mean, it, Dino had – there it was a lot not to like about him. He was and, attitudinally different. I think that's that. what it was. Yeah. You know, I, it's all right. He's not – it's, it's he's nowhere to no. be seen. He ripped me though on you know before he left DEI. You know what? I I got to give him this. He did apologize. He did. Yeah, he did. How so, did that sound? It sounded like he meant it. I don't. We but we were at a price chopper in the frozen food aisle. You know, so we were probably both in a hurry to get the hell out of there. <laughs> oh, but he did apologize. I got to give him credit for that. His cause... night to cook. <laughs> now it started all for you. In Apple Creek, Ohio, That's and I, I thought it's got to be a small town, but it's not even a town. It's, it's pretty a, small. It's a village. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of Amish, a lot of Mennonite, a lot of, and uh, the school I went to had like four schools that were, that joined together to do one. So, so it, wait, this is truly an Amish community. Oh yeah, totally. From whence you came? Totally. Did you ever raise a barn or anything? Or? I did not, but my nearest neighbors, uh, we lived. In a farmhouse. I didn't know it was Amish. We lived in, oh, yeah. House down the road, barn raising. They were Amish. And, you know, I went out there for a high school reunion, and I decided to drive past uh, where I used to live. Nothing has changed. There's a cornfield in the back. There's a cornfield on the side. And there's a cornfield on the other side. It's absolutely the same. And it was an Amish buggy coming down the road. I swear to God, this was 50 years ago, and it's still... It's still the same. But, did, uh, did you were the Amish chicks hot or? We never saw them because uh, they wouldn't go to high school. After uh, junior high, they dropped out of school. I don't, I don't know. I can't. I can't respond to that. No, but did you ever like? I mean, no. What did you do with no. it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have some. You know. I know. You go ahead and do what you want. Do what the thou. No. Do what thou wants. <laughs> Jeez. 
you know what? One thing about nothing. No children of the corn the, stories. Uh, or one anything? thing about the Amish, Amish kids, men, you know, young, twenty-year-olds or whatever, great softball players, great fast-pitch softball pitchers. Is that true? Yes, it is. I'm just telling you. I just I lived it. I was there. You know, it was. We lived on a, a state hospital grounds. My father was a nurse. So, but so you don't you don't have any like Amish pickup lines for the girls? Right. Like, can I raise your you barn? Know, we thought it was really cool when we learned how to swear in Amish. So I'd have uh, four. You... F- no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Seriously, we we, we thought that was It'd be really like cool. go fuck it thyself. <laughs> yeah, it was something like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember I'm that sorry. one, but uh, no, that's right. But so, so you you're in Apple Creek. You're I know. Were you known as Bobby when you were little? Lobby. Just even I when wasn't you were little. I, we, my parents moved there when I was in uh, sixth grade, fifth grade. Oh, so you weren't born there? No, no. But where were you born? I don't want to tell you. I'm not an immigrant, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> was it the backseat of a Greyhound come, bus? They're going to be knocking on the door with an axe <laughs> yes. and, and you know, lead me out of here in handcuffs. We've been looking for this Lobel guy for years now. Right, right. right. So, so you're not, okay, so you don't want to talk about where you are no, born? No, that's all right. I was born on Long Island. All right. Private okay. hospital in Long Island. Okay. All right. Christmas Eve, I had, 1943. I pegged this as the only kid who wasn't Amish. Well, you know what? That still might have been true. There were, uh, <laughs> you know, it was a highly populated Amish community, and you didn't have to go very far to see yeah. all different kinds of Amish buggies and the horses and all that stuff. It's it's the way the whole culture was skewed out there. Did it affect you at all being in a No, I liked town? it. It was probably the best thing that could ever happen to me to be grow up in a small town like that. Yeah. And, End up playing sports in high school and, and whatever. That was really, uh, it was a good thing. Kept you, kept you grounded. Good thing. Now you busted into the uh, the business. <laughs> you busted into the broadcasting business uh, in Vermont. Was that your first on air experience? Yeah, that's right. That's now that I remember that. Uh, yeah, I went to University of Vermont. Uh, got a master's in education at UVM, and I was uh, hired as the director of student activities and ran their student center. And I got Real tired of that, like okaying fraternity parties, and it wasn't really kind of the road. What were you going to try to be with that? Degree? I don't know. Dean, of, dean of men, dean of students, college president. Well, you know what? That never happened, did it? <laughs> no. I got to get two semesters out of Salem State. Uh, but I would say, you know, then it just happened. There was an opening and, and things were available. Uh, just so many ironies. It was, Vermont had football at the time. UVM had a football team. Uh, and I ended up doing the public address announcing for the football team. It was kind of like my first media job. Now I find myself doing a couple of Red Sox games, public address announcing. Yeah, how's that? That's fantastic. Do you ever feel like ju- jumping into your Sherm Feller, you know, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. boys and girls? If I could do that, I might, but I can't. I would only make myself look stupid, and I'm not, I can do that easily enough without trying. Well, and could so <laughs> I couldn't, I could not have, I don't have, Anywhere close to the talent that you possess. Well, so at least I can, I'm smart enough to know that. There are people that don't know that. Yeah. That, that think they really do have talent. Well, I don't. <laughs> God, and I, I'm, not, I'm not care. I don't care. But you're too self-deprecating. Really? You're, a, you're a broadcast legend. You know what? It's served me well. Believe me. Yeah. I, I don't. What am I going to say? That you're a broadcast legend. Good night, Bob. Uh, <laughs> tell yourself that. Good night. Good morning, Bob. You're a broadcast <laughs> legend. You were when you went to bed. What are you this morning? <laughs> 
Well, you know, the, th the thing is, you though, know, this, this is a guy that worked with broadcast legends. Right. Those are people that really thought they were broadcast legends. Yes. Yes. yes some of them certainly did. Does Glenn think he's like the broadcast legend of all time in Boston? He's the sports radio godfather. I think Wait, in his I mind. Eddie Andelman had in that. His, I think in his mind. In, in his, his mind. little. I think so. Tiny mind. But see, BZTV, when you were on there and we were number one every single year, it was the it was the king of of VHF VH, VHS no, whatever yeah very high frequency television. There was no cable in the in the late channel thirty eight. It took a while for the seventies to kick through and have cable actually be amazing. a thing. Isn't and, that amazing though? It was in such a short period of time. It's like, whew, nobody even remembers. You had to be in it to kind of remember what it was like. Yeah. And it changed everything. I mean, I was working in Hartford at Channel 3, the CBS affiliate down there. And we had, you know, top rated in that market. And people would recognize you when you were at, all the time. It must have been crazy with you because you're on a big station which covers all of New England. I mean, it must have been nuts. Did you ever get sick and tired of people going, yeah. hey, Loby? No, never. No, hey. I always thought it was a great compliment. I always took it as such. And, you know, most of the time, most people were pretty friendly. Every pretty once, nice. Every once in a while. You had to know where not to go. You know, biker bars. You got to be careful to go with friends and not, you know, go in by yourself. Yeah, you just have to pay attention. Like you don't go out and sit in the bleachers. Uh, right. That's you right. don't go. You know, you don't want to be around at the end of a Bruins game where they've lost because they'll take it out on you. Right. Exactly. Show up at a massage a parlor. Game. See, I only got recognized when I was buying either Easy Widers or rubbers or something. You know, it always was my. Why did you buy rubbers? I just you never to, used I, them. I like to play with them. But the thing is that that's a wrong Balloon time. Animals. Somebody oh comes God. up behind you in a line at a CVS and oh, what do you buy? <laughs> just, yeah. Just does this rubbers. vibrate? <laughs> Just stop it. Why is this moving like this? Oh, this is where I get my rubbers. Oh, my God. Um, we had a big weekend. Now, it, do you miss the sports, the individual ability to talk about stories like this week? We had the gigantic story of Robert Kraft. Oh, really? What happened? Well, it seems he was in this little... I hadn't heard. Somebody rubbed him the wrong way. <laughs> and it was in uh, It didn't Florida. sound like... I, they gave you a timeline. It didn't sound like it took a whole long time. <laughs> You could have even had highlights on the 6 o'clock news. It was so short. But that's a weird story for so many different reasons. What was your, what was your first impression of that uh, story? Here's the deal. Alan Miller, longtime producer, 20 years producer. We have always built up a lot of trust with each other. and I was blessed to have a guy like that who we could just... He knew what I was thinking. I knew what he was thinking. And we had dinner Thursday night at the stockyard. Okay, and... He said, Loba, you're not going to believe this, but I heard that Kraft was picked up for soliciting a prostitute in Florida. He says, I don't think it's true, but I just heard that today. This was the day before. And I said, you know, come on. That's, that didn't really, yes, I know. What so he had the story? He had the story. He heard that it was in the pipeline, that yeah. it had happened. Because don't forget, Channel 7, Alan works at Channel 7 now. Yeah. Um, and they have a station in Miami, so that's their, you know, their big two-station Ed Anson type. So he got it through the grapevine. He got through the grapevine the night before. We're talking about that. I said, you know, that would be amazing. And he says, yeah. He says, I don't think it's true, but, and sure enough, the next day, <laughs> bang, there it is. You know, it's like, what can I tell you? I just said, one thing, money doesn't fix stupid. No. That's one thing you got. <laughs> money does not fix stupid. No, it doesn't, okay? it doesn't do anything for stupid. <laughs> and the one people I had a chance to do a radio thing out in, on the phone in L.A. It doesn't make me a big deal. It's just they had nobody else to call. 
<laughs> and I was the only one answering the phone. Uh, we talked about punishment for Kraft. And I think you might agree, Mikey, that he's being punished now more than you could ever imagine. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. what the league does. It's his embarrassment. A, embarrassment. His it's permanent inability to deal with people thinking of anything ill of him or embarrassing. Uh, and this is about as embarrassing as it gets. This is this is the punishment he's going to be faced with. Doesn't matter what the far does. worse than any actual you know law no. rule or or penalty he'd have to fine or anything. They're, to... they're not going to take draft picks. They're not going to you know they're going to suspend him for six games and fine him a half million dollars. Doesn't matter. It's but the, you're right. You can't make the embarrassment go away because you know, for the most part, unless he comes out. I mean, I don't know how you fix this. I guess you you, you come out, you sit in front of a camera, and you say, Ted Kennedy. Yes, I think so. And then you go on with Oprah. Or Ellen, and you kind of bare your soul, or Doctor Hugh, Hugh Grant. You know what? One of the one of the stories I told on this LA station. I said I can remember when Jay Leno uh, had Hugh Grant on, right? And Hugh Grant. This was right after Hugh Grant got picked up in London for soliciting whatever. I think it was a London. person, right? And the first thing that Leno said. What the hell were you thinking of? Mm-hmm. That's I thought it was a great line, and that's the same thing that Kraft's going to have. And Hugh Grant was at least able to laugh about it and, and deal with it. Will the NFL? That, that be was able the to. tipping point for Leno taking over Letterman in the ratings. That yeah, night that was, was the interview. tipping point. Or having Hugh Grant on. Having Hugh Grant on Remember talking that line? about it. What yeah, the hell abso- you... absolutely. Well, everybody loves a, a sincere mea culpa, and, and everybody loves to the stories that re- require them. Uh, you know, in Bob Kraft's situation, here's a guy who's been generous. Uh, you know, uh, he's been a philanthropist. He's been an obvious success. Uh, his team has been so big and beloved that, uh, you know, he. you're thinking, how can things keep going right for this guy? And then this happens. But the, the, it still becomes this. You're 77. You have $6 billion, two Bentleys, enough to take two separate Bentleys to this uh, Wang Chung place twice in a row. You know, it's like, why? Why can't you, if you well, have that? that's another question that, you know, most people are asking. How can you be so stupid? Uh, why don't you call your friend Trump? He can fix you up. Uh, anything. Anything. <laughs> it's, right? Yeah. I mean, we all know that. And we, that's the other piece of it. Well, I, I was talking to a psychologist, and this was, I guess, it, at least it was an interesting point to me. And we were talking about why people would act like that, or somebody who had that kind of a status in society would do that. And uh, he said, "Well, it usually m- means that that's exactly kind of what they think of themselves at a very basic level." That he took the bargain basement hooker route where he thought he'd be safe because that's pretty much at some level what he thinks of himself. Well, he's just like, you know, I said, well, it kind of makes sense. I don't know if that's a reality, but it's whatever. It's sad, though. It's it, very sad. It's sad because inside all that cocoon of money and all the, you know, the ad- adulation and so on and so forth, is someone who perceives themselves as a 12-minute, $49 slam, slam me, ma'am, on, with my ham on the table. <laughs> well, he tipped her 100 so. It's you know what's sad is more the uh, <laughs> that's what really counts anyway is the is the number on the tip. It's appreciation. The sad part is that well you know as you know the, as the police chiefs rightly said the story is not Bob Kraft, 
It's the trafficking. That's that was the whole story. It's the whole reason that they were there. Yeah. You know, they they were, they put something. their fishing net out to catch all these cod, and then a bluefish or a tuna ro- rolled <laughs> a in. Big tuna. You know, why did they catch a net full of bluefish or cod, and but then a, and you, then a tuna I, rolls in? If I smoke the joint today, am I in danger of being affiliated with drug traffickers now? Okay, because somewhere somebody trafficked that to get it to my lips. That joint. You know, and I mean, it's a little different, but it's it's kind of along the same line. It is kind of along. Well, it's kind of like semi-legal, illegal, whatever you can decide. It's it's not the normal course of behavior that's approved. There's a normal course of behavior, and most of it is unapproved. But what can I say? You know, it's a weird it's, one, though. Do, it's very. Do you wish you were on TV covering the story back in the days. When would you have liked that or not? No, liked I, it? I think it would have been uncomfortable. Yeah, because. I, it, at some point, I don't know. I would have. On the other hand, you always like to have a big story, so I changed my mind. I would like to have been there. <laughs> I had to think about it for a I minute. I believe you. you I both... haven't sat around and said, "Boy, I wish I could report that." No. You both no. have been doing this a long time. Yeah. No, I... How long does this story? How long till this story is kind of just washed away and forgotten about it? We we've seen other. Stories recently, something like Jerry Remy and that situation. People are like, how can he ever call a game ever? Marv again? Albert. Marv Albert, sure. That was a tough one, huh? So how long does this just kind of wash yeah, away? Les Moonves, who would be sitting up with Kraft. I mean, they had... Right. Uh, yep. I would say this. Even the coverage of the story, the Patriots had their tentacles out on there because BZ Television was the only station not at Kraft's house yesterday in town. Yeah. But, you know, and they carry their games. Any coincidence? Uh, that the sports hub not talking couldn't about. take t- calls or anything else. Right? Coincidence? Their flagship station. I know the Patriots are very big on making phone calls and controlling uh, the ownership and sales department by saying, "You better Don't, leave us alone, yeah. or you know, or we're taking the contract." I mean, I think that's a big, it's a big hammer, and I. Yeah, I mean, even the small stations do that with it when it comes to clients. Like that time I was shitting all over that Cars for Kids jingle. <laughs> yeah, it happens. You know, this thing sucks. <laughs> I know. But because I, it's an earworm. You hear it once. You're singing it all day, even though you fucking hate it. And it's like, you know, you pull up to a stop and you Mike, find yourself. It's okay, Mike. It's okay, Mike. It's, it's people okay, are looking Mike. at you. It's okay. Yes, it is. I understand. It's okay. But So you weren't little I, Bobby Lobel. <laughs> no. I would have. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have been there. I like to cover it. Yeah, I like yeah. the big stories. But Kraft and I were really... He was at my wedding. I've been to his house. He was, uh, I know. And uh, we had, I thought, a really close relationship, and then something happened. Um, I, I don't know. He, he became enamored with Dino. I figured, wow, that's an interesting. Yeah. Why, you know, because I think Dino would have done any, you know, would have sang his praises and walked his walk. Right, right. You know. But not when he's not on the air. No, Dino. You know. Anyway, that's whatever. It's that that was that. So did I tell you he apologized to me. Who? Yeah, you did. I said, "Are you shocked?" Well, I were yeah. you were, now? I know you're a golfer. You still are. Yeah. Were you an athlete as a young uh, fellow in in Apple Creek, Ohio, with the Wayndale Golden Bears? I played football, basketball, baseball. No varsity barn raising and track. No varsity barn raising, but we didn't have soccer. We didn't have lacrosse. We didn't have swimming. We didn't have tennis. Yeah, we had those four sports, and that was that. And I really the track I really sucked at. As a matter of fact, I have cinders in my knee because we had a cinder track, and I was, was running the hurdles one day, and I tripped over a hurdle, and I 
landed on the cinder track on my knees, and I still have them. I'm not going to show you them, but I still have them. Yeah. The coach came over to my house with a toothbrush. and To brush it out? Yes, to get them out of my oh. knee. And he didn't get all of them. So anyway, that was... Talk about what are you showing me something? Yeah, I got cinder in my. I, well, you well know, I actually see it. It's well, uh, okay, from a motorcycle. You can, you can accident. zip it back up. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> well, you know, I was using it to put out a campfire <laughs> before I got here. <laughs> now, let me let me uh, ask you a little uh, deep Bob Lobel stuff from the early days. You come to Boston. Yeah. Uh, and it, they, it was after the 75 World Series, but before the. Was it before 75? I was at the 75 World Series. I had Carlton Fisk's tickets. You did. Fisk and I were close friends when I was in New Hampshire. Worked at Manchester. Oh, because he, he was from Raymond. He was from Raymond at the time. And uh, he went to UNH, and he and I were got to be pretty close friends. And there were times when I went over and did basketball games, high school basketball games. Took him with me to do the color with me. And, of course, it was a big deal in the studio. When Carlton Fisk walked into the high school to do the basketball oh, yeah. game. So it was, you know, he, he and I did a lot of stuff like that. So in 75... Uh, when they got into the World Series, I went over his house in Raymond, and I uh, was sitting at his table with his wife Linda, and he had some tickets, and he said, "She so were Game Six with his tickets." Yes. When he hit the home run yes. and did the, the yes. most iconic sports yes. video moment, I have it. I have the tickets. You were in his seat. I have the tickets. I have him autograph the tickets, and I gave them to my son. And I said, "Don't you ever lose these tickets." But I, the, there's, yeah, my son's got them somewhere. Autographed by Carlton Fisk, Game Six of 1975. He's got them on eBay, is where he's got them. <laughs> you should. You should. So I was sitting along the along the front right side, first base, right behind the dugout. Um, you know, a ways up. But after he hit the home run and then came back on the field, he came over and you know we did one of those things. And then I saw him and his wife Damn, in the awesome. booth. It was awesome. It was a private moment. But I was in radio in New Hampshire at the time. And I remember they wouldn't. Red Sox would not let me up in the press box because I wasn't at a big enough. You were credentialed enough. No, they wouldn't give me a. Bill Crowley was the. Yeah. He said no. We don't have room nor any interest in you from New Hampshire doing that. Okay, so. That's that, that, that's, that was that. So I I swear to God I made a vow that I would at some point get up in that press box. That's that was my little signature and you, vow. And you pulled it off. Well, I pulled it off. We'll talk about uh, that, but first I've got to take a moment to mention Dr. Robert Leonard and what he did for my my head. Uh, I was. Well, I'm losing my hair. Can I? No, you got nothing. You got no problem. You got an anchorman head. Yeah. Yeah. I, you think you're fine? I had I had a giant uh, pancake size bald spot in the back of my head, and uh, let me it was, see it. It was ever growing. It's not there anymore. No, it's Dr. not. Dr. Leonard took some of my hair where I have a lot yeah. and, and put it in where I didn't have any. And it uh, it kind of took the edge off that really, really well because I didn't want to look like a monk. I, I really didn't, although monks get laid a lot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Dr. Leonard is the guy. And by the way, Dr. Matthew Lepresti is his chief surgeon now at uh, Leonard Hair Transplant Associates with six offices throughout New England. I had mine done in Newton. Um, but anyway, the, the point is, in this day and age... If you're losing your hair and you don't want to, you don't have to because they're not going to take a, you know, a toupee and put it on there. They're going to take your own hair and transplant it with a simple micrograph procedure that'll make you look like a million bucks. At one point two five with inflation, uh, call one eight hundred Get Hair. Tell them Mikey sent you, and that you don't want to be bald anymore for the great Leonard hair transplant 
associate said, no, Bob, you don't have any problem with I that. don't know. Can I have a piece of paper? Because I have to ask you a very important question. You're, uh, you just had a birthday in December. Was it the 24th? Yeah. Does it suck having Christmas Eve as your birthday, though, well, present-wise? No, present-wise, here's the deal. You, you don't get any extra presents, so you get it, you're used to it. Uh, in fact, you probably get less because they figure they can double up. But they do remember it. That's the one thing. People at least remember your birthday. But it doesn't do you any good. So that's just the way it is. It's just well, because I got a friend whose New Year's Eve is his birthday. Same. He says it sucks because by the time three, four drinks in, nobody yeah. gives a shit about his birthday. I think uh, Billy Costa and Kiss My Weight also has Christmas Eve as his birthday. Here's my question, okay? So does Ricky Henderson. No, 25th. Oh, there you go. Henderson is Christmas? Christmas 25th, Son yeah. So, you know, Ali. I call him every year. Dick Nixon, Muhammad Ali, they all had that Christmas birthday type of thing. Muhammad Ali, too? Yeah. Holy cow, some pretty yeah. fancy, comp yeah, fa fancy a company. Of, a lot of company. Uh, okay, I'm supposed to do a, a podcast tomorrow with Maura Healy, the Attorney General. Yeah, yeah. And it's called The Podcast. Okay, mm -hmm. so well, who better to ask but you? And I was just going to say, <laughs> if I had some questions to ask her, you're just going to have to give me some questions to ask her. Okay. You don't Maura have to do it right now. First of all, tell, can, ask her what? Can, no, I'm going to do it right like now. you're jumping in. No, Loby, I mean, yeah. right, your... write them down because I got good questions for her. First of all, what the hell is taking so long? Why, when it was legalized by the voters of Massachusetts, did it take so long for the Bay State to get their shit together? I don't know that she'll have an answer. I think she'll agree, but that's good. Of course, I'm going to ask her that question. Okay, how far Why is the still struggling going to dig into the pockets of the consumers? Because right now there's three taxes on it. There's regular sales tax. There's the new marijuana tax, and then there's you know some kind of other tax. I don't know what it is. Some, probably something. Probably, probably local. Town tax or that something. tolls are going to go up on the Mass Pike or something. <laughs> you know, I'm sick and tired of the people of Massachusetts reaching into the pockets of the taxpayers and making it difficult for those of us to live. You know, I'm retired. Okay, well, yeah, you know, this is okay. I got it. I understand. Uh, ask her. Uh, to, is she? You can think about it. You don't have to tell me right this second. I'll think about it. I think. She, ask her if uh, if tequila is legal. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. A ask why uh, you can. Uh... In this state, you can advertise for alcohol, but you can't advertise for pot. It's legal. What, of course. What, what's the difference right. now? Right. I and, get and, it. And, if, and if the state is serious about fighting the opioid crisis, why aren't they on the fact that cannabinoids are the perfect and natural and non-addictive? There's never been a cannabis overdose death in the history of cannabis. Why can't they figure out that when people are dying from opioids, that they should switch them over, make it easy for them to, to get the stuff? I have a question. Ask her to smoke a joint with you. I dare you. Right then. He doesn't smoke, there. though. He doesn't That's smoke. not oh. true. You don't smoke? I do. Oh. I'm going to, you know... Oh, cause Just I, not with you. <laughs> <laughs> He's heard the stories. All right, I want to ask him some right, When I go into car washers, that's where I usually let it out. <laughs> oh, my God. You oh, my God. What? Talk about... Why would I remember that? Because here's the sick you, part now about you it. want to know... He, he asked me about how long the Bob Kraft thing was going to stick. How long is your thing stuck? It never goes away. never <laughs> goes away. So, and you didn't even have any... Well, I don't know. Maybe you had some illicit activities going on in the car wash. No. But it doesn't sound like it. I was it. vacuuming my car. The guy pulls up. So you told me Kraft's going to hang around as long as he has when it, this Blow thing. <laughs> I got the whole, you know, how loud, you know how loud the vacuums are at those? Why are you holding your hands like that? I'm going to show you them. I got to vacuum those. <laughs> you know how loud a, a vacuum, a $1 a minute vacuum hose is at a goddamn car Yes, wash? yes, yes. All right, so I'm in the car. How big are Stop that. And I'm vacuuming. The guy pulls up. This is 2 o'clock in the morning the cops taps me on the shoulder he startled me i said oh he goes what are you doing i put the hose on his shirt <laughs> like 
I said, uh, I'm vacuuming my car because I didn't know I had the weed in the car. If I had, I would have sucked it into the vacuum so fast, make your head spin. How no. high were you at the time? I wasn't. Okay. That it was, it was, was what you say, two in the morning? Two in the morning. Okay. So, so now he makes me stand back. He handcuffs me. He sees the bag with the thing, pulls out the bag, holds it up. He goes, what's that? And there was like two roaches in there and a couple of buds. I said, this is well, a long time ago, though. You're going to understand. 94. Well, come on. Things were a whole... Like, I mean, the world was a different place in 94. But he's asking me, what's that? And he sees the roaches. And I said, it looks like pot to me. You know, he handcuffs me, takes me to the police station. Oh, my God. Here's the thing. I hit it on the lightest news day of all time. You know, Jim Baker wrote it. Jack Craig wrote it. Uh, the the Hartford Current wrote it because I was a former Hartford TV anchor at Springfield. The, in the USA Today, state by states, it says Connecticut. One line. Sportscaster busted at car wash. My grandmother saw it in Albany, New York, for Christ's sake. So Charlie Kravitz is all, you know, well, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. I said, look, I'll, say, I'll take a drug test. I said, don't worry about, you know. He goes, okay. And then he comes back to me two weeks later and he says, now about that drug test. I said, I decided that I will only take a drug test if everybody else on the staff takes one too. Good one. <laughs> really? Bingo. Yeah. Because yeah, we had guys on that staff who were, you know. Crackpots, but anyway, that was the end of my that was the end of my future as an anchor. That's unbelievable. It ruined me. And it was on four twenty. The date I got busted was on four twenty, April twentieth, nineteen ninety four. So then you asked how long crafts is going to stick. I don't know. What do you think? Now that really puts a different light on it. Why? Why did yours stick? And his may not. Well, because it was funny. It was comical. All the morning shows had fun with it for weeks. Because you were a fun-loving guy. It didn't, you know, and you that, also didn't hide from it. You've mentioned and, it And you yes. probably... What are you going to do? No, you probably enjoyed every second of it. Well, I don't know about that. My kids were teenagers in junior high. They oh, took a lot okay. of shit, you know, from... Yeah, that's true. It was 94. It was a different world. Yep. And, uh, and, I, got, and I, I don't think that a lot of the jobs I applied for as a TV person in the future were... I was under much consideration after that because, you know, but I did have fun. I mean, I had fun with it, you know. What are you going to do? No, but so. I, you know, I'm sorry to bring it up. It's, it's <laughs> oh, a, I'm so totally over it. You know, of course you fact, are. I'm going to car saying... wash right when I leave here. <laughs> now, I, I'll sit in the back seat. You have, um, I was That's, watching. <laughs> we're going to smoke a joint together? I don't think so. Here, I might here. give her an edible, but I'm not going to smoke a joint with her. Oh, Mara? Mara? Yeah. yeah. Here, take this one. What's that? Oh, I see what it is. It's called headband. Okay, go ahead. What else? Names are so stupid. They are. They are. <laughs> yes, I got one. I got new stuff called Dosi Do. What the fuck is this? A square dance? Anyway, um, you had a, uh, a classic, maybe the all-time most memorable uh, television segment in the history of Boston sports when you got the three guys together. The show was no, a television show. Nobody uh, doesn't remember. The sports final, Sunday night, December 7th, 1993. Yep. It was before Larry Bird night, but it was after he'd retired. Yeah. And it was his birthday. Yeah. You have Ted Williams. Yep. Bobby Orr, who, who's a good friend of yours over time. In fact, I saw you playing golf with him down in uh, Fort Myers one time. This happens. I, I was so jealous. Uh, <laughs> but... Those three guys, the most iconic sports figures, did not have Bill Russell there, but so what? Ted Williams, Larry Bird, Bobby Orr. Tremendous show. You asked exactly the right questions. I don't think so. You did. I've never watched the show. I have. We I watched... both watched it yesterday. Yes, and really? you asked exactly yeah. the right questions. I didn't think I I think the most important question should have been the first question, and I never asked it. And well, I, Which was what? What's Do you have under, any understanding of the impact that you have on the 
the population, fans. the fans, the, how people perceive you, and why do people think you're so? Yeah, but you know, it, it, that's got to be hard for them to answer in well, a huge, you know, humble what, way. Not that any of, I mean, no, but I would have liked to have seen what they what they would have said. But that's all right. But I, you asked. I've this never question. seen the show. I don't know the questions I asked. I just came away from the show thinking, well, I could have done that a whole lot. Oh better. no, no, no! It was it was fat. All right. It's over now. It's just the farther <laughs> I get away from that show, the bigger it becomes, Mikey. I mean, that's. I mean, it, but see, know. I revisited it. I hadn't seen it in ten years, and I saw it yeah. originally the night it broadcast, and I thought it was wonderful. Now, you asked them. When did you guys each realize that you were better than the rest of it? And that, that, I that, asked that. Yes, you did. Well, good for me. And you know, it was all about, <laughs> good it was, question, Bob. Now, Ted, it was probably hard for Ted not to answer in his normal way, which is, "I'm the greatest goddamn hitter in the history of the world," because he wasn't humble. Bobby Orr, on the other hand, bashful, humble, very shy, classy. You know, when you say superstar class, and they go together, no one wore it better than him. You know, in history. I, but Bird <laughs> is somewhere in between. Great. The other thing that you did on that show, which killed me, you had Numi bring out the cake. Cake, yeah. Cake boy. So here comes Numi with the birthday cake for Larry. And Larry says, they light the candles. You sing happy birthday. You go, Larry, why don't you blow out the candles? And Larry goes, oh, you don't want me to spit all over the cake, do you? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't remember that. It's so Larry. It's, it's right there, it right in exactly the end of the show. Great. You mentioned Bob Raleigh earlier in the show right bob raleigh and his son were kicked out of that broadcast why because <laughs> john henry ted's kid the late john henry and the late ted john henry uh the whole thing developed like this john henry was hitting on one of our interns the week before the show he comes in and i see he says i see you're having uh or and bird in uh well, you want dad to join him this was the week before. Yeah. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, all right, sure. sure. Yeah. Ted uh, Williamson, I bet. Because he's going to be in town next week. I said, oh, done. So that's how John Henry came in the studio because the intern, was. she was the one that really made that show possible. But at any rate, that night, John Henry said, well, here's the only thing that I want. I want total control over any pictures or video that's taken. Good. I don't care. We're just sure. going to do a television show. What do I care? Bob Raleigh came in. There were about forty people in the studio, and we thought that okay, if you worked at WBZ, you could come in and watch. But there are people there that I never saw at BZ before, and I never saw at BZ again. <laughs> I've no a lot of tendons. No idea where they came from. Although Raleigh was there with his son taking video and a camera, you know, like a mo that that movie camera. It's not a phone. There were no phones back then. Right. So. John Henry saw him, kicked him out. That's it. That was no. That was so. You mentioned Bob Raleigh early yeah. in the show. Anyway, anyway, that's the yeah. way it was. It was now. Just so everybody knows, John Henry was Ted Williams' son. Yeah, not the owner of the Red Sox. But also, Although he passed, might have kicked him out passed away. Just you know. Yep. It, the it, whole it, thing is pretty tragic. To it tell is. You the truth. I mean, it's as a great player, you forget about the Alcorn. You know. Yeah. Freezing cryogenic, cryogenic stuff. You know, they people are calling head. them the headless hitsman and all this. I stuff. I mean, it's like Game of Thrones. You know, for some, you know, in some Arizona studio. You know, I had Claudia Williams, Ted's daughter, yep. on my show, and she had a book out. And uh, afterwards, after she came over to me and kissed me on the cheek, and she goes, mm -hmm. "Thank you." I go for what? She goes for not asking about the cryogenics. 
And I just, I figured it's Ted Williams' daughter. There's a lot of other things I could talk to her about. I didn't want to go there with her, but she was so grateful. She was like, oh, my God. And then she donated a bunch of memorabilia for the Jimmy Fund that year. Yep. Yeah, but uh, she probably was so used to everybody feeling like they had to ask her about the cryogenics, which is that, sad too. Because it, this, I mean, the guy was a war hero and what, so on. What are you going to ask him? Now you did the with the final interview with him, didn't you? Yeah, it was up in in the red seat at yeah. Fenway Park, and yeah. he was funny. He got cantankerous only at the end when he was a well, little impatient. John Henry, he and John Henry were not getting along at that time. Oh, I see. John Henry brought him, left him there, and went away, and then came back in about a half hour. So Ted was pissed at John Henry. Thoughtful. And it was, you could see all this family dynamic going on. But, yeah, it was in yeah. his red seat. Yeah. At, uh, My favorite Ted story, though, I don't know if I just told you this story, but he was on American Sportsman. Yeah. And he fishing because that's – Right, Kirk Gowdy, right? Yeah, and there's, there's a camera guy. So, so he's on a boat. He's going, I'm the best fucking fisherman that ever <laughs> lived, and he's casting. So then the camera guy goes, well, what about Jesus? And <laughs> Williams looks at him for a second, then he goes – yeah, well, you got to go pretty goddamn far back. Because <laughs> he always swore. I mean, yeah. His creative swearing was about as good as ever. But you know, I have, he, he I have a... one for you. I'll have to tell you off the air. This is even this really? will not survive. No, I could write it down, but I'm not going to say it. Okay. Well, it, it... one his his talent was his ability to string swear words together. Yes, in lumps. And make right, make sentences out of swear words. You had some moments with Ted with Ted Williams. Yeah, very fortunate. It's a time it. How about nine ninety nine All Star Game when he comes out? Right. I I was in just so you know, and I know you were there, and you know, I want you to tell your side what happened with you. I'm in the WEI press box with Ordway, and yeah. we're packed in there. You know, Ted comes. Of course. Out. <laughs> and I'm two seats down from Bobby Orr. And as Ted comes out, I feel like I'm getting tears in my eyes. And I said, geez, I, I looked around kind of self-consciously. And Bobby Orr had tears streaming down his face. Yeah. I said, well, if it's okay for him, it's it's okay for me. And then I looked and everybody else in the place had it. You know, it was like, but you had a tear story about Ted Williams. Did you not? I, uh, oh, yeah, I, I did. It was that night. It, no, it was not that night. Oh, was it? okay. But it was very personal and it was down at his place at Citrus oh, Hills. Because you were the MC of. Yes, of uh, his world's, you know, Hall of Fame, Ted Williams Hitters Hall of Fame. Yes. There were guys like Enos Slaughter were there, Bob Feller was there. Uh, a lot of those, you know, old Dom DiMaggio, of course, close friends. And I was. Done. The ceremony was done, and I moved to the back of the of the st- uh, platform, which was behind the Hitters Hall of Fame in Citrus Hills, Florida. And John Henry and Claudia, his sister, were wheeling Ted by in a wheelchair, and they were taking him out. And Ted was in bad shape. He, you know, he couldn't talk. He was just he just couldn't talk very loudly. And he, he came back, and John Henry said, "Hey, Dad, you know." Bob from Boston sportscaster. Ted says, "Yeah," and he had a tear coming down his face. Not because of Bob from Boston, but just the fact that he was—he knew he was leaving the, maybe for the last time. And I just took my thumb and I wiped the tear off his face, like I think anybody would have done. And he just said, "Thank you." That's great. It was one of the most. It wasn't on camera. I have no pictures. Nope. It was just a totally personal. That's yours. It's, it's mine. Yeah. But How old was he then? Was he at the point? He, he died in uh, 2002. Yeah. yeah, he was at the end. Was, yeah. So, of course, me, I'm thinking, 
this is Ted Williams' DNA. <laughs> what, what am I going to do? Give me the with, number of that cryogenics where's the, lab. Where's the bottle? Where's something to put yes. this in? Right. Where's something, you know? Yep. Of course not. So I, I don't know whether I just rubbed it on my face or. Yeah. See, I, he was magical. My, he's my dad's favorite player. My dad went to school in Boston. He used to walk to the games every single day from Northeastern to go, go watch yeah, them every day. Because they had afternoon games back then. Right. And he, one day when I was 10, you know, I love baseball, but I'd never seen Ted play. You know, I was born in 60, I was born in 54. So he says, Ted Williams in the hospital. You heard his back playing golf, slipped a disc. So I wrote him a letter. Uh, you're 10. First letter I ever wrote anybody. Really? And, uh, you know, you're Mr. Williams, you know. My dad says you're the greatest ever, and I don't know. Could you please send me an autograph? Now, he's in the hospital, so he's got nothing to do. So about eight days later, I get this self-addressed envelope addressed by him and an assigned Ted Williams wow. picture, and I thought, this is the coolest thing ever. You know, I'm, I'm 10 years old. John Henry signed it. <laughs> well, I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. You he know. signed, you know. No, John, John Henry, Henry wasn't born then. John Henry made him sit. One of the despicable things is the way John Henry treated his father. He made his father seriously sign bat after bat, like a thousand bats at a, at a sitting. Uh, you know, playing on his father's guilt for yeah, for, uh, being, a, for not being, so for not there. being around. Right? Yeah. It was just, you know, that was the the ugly side that yep. Ted was. Uh, you know, just wanted to take some of that guilt away that his son was pouring on him. Well, we just we want to say thank you for making that TV show because even though you might not remember it all or whatever, it was f fabulous. And everybody's not only seen it but seen it again and again because you don't get those three people. You know, that's the magic. It is it. an amazing thing. I think back now that you talk about it, I never think about it or you talk about it. But one of the things, funnier things that happened after the show. Okay, Alan Miller, who was like running mates, okay? Mm -hmm. A lot of Alan Miller stories. <laughs> All a of lot of Alan Miller stories. <laughs> we go down to Dad's. On It was a bar on Newbury, on, yeah, Newbury Street, right? No, Boylston. It was on Boylston, yeah. Dad's, right? Right, one over. Right down the street from uh, Cactus. Uh, on Cact Boylston, around yeah. the block from Daisy's. Right. Um, <laughs> we go into Dad's, and there's a bachelorette party going on. And this is after the show, Ted. And and these girl, these women, two, three, four of them are up on the bar dancing on the bar, and and Alan says, and I thought we had the best show in town tonight. <laughs> and of course, no, that their show was far better than the one we had. So anyway, these were things that. Well, yeah, it was, it was, I think it was the most memorable sports TV moment in the history of the marketplace, and you know. Uh, uh, it's nice of you to say that. I, I, if to me, it's, you know what, it was just. We were just trying to do something unique. We were just trying to do a television show. We right. weren't trying to make history. You also had a classic line in there, too, when, when someone said, uh, uh, Ted, you know, you made, look at this headline. You showed a headline. Oh, Ted might make eighty to $100,000. Yeah. And you said, oh, that's what you guys are getting for doing this show tonight, you know. <laughs> and then Larry, Larry fucking laughed his ass <laughs> off at that. He was <laughs> dying laughing. He loved it. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. I gotta go it watch the, the show. You should. Go watch it's it again. Right on YouTube. It is. Yeah. The first thing you do, put in Lobel. <laughs> just Ted, write, just write your name into YouTube. It'll pop yeah, it'll up. It'll pop up, yeah. All right. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. So, what, what have we not talked about? Is there anything we haven't talked about for just for, I mean, for tonight? Because, you know, we're going to. Well, this is great. I really had. I'd love yeah, to make come out here. Stay. You've got to give me a couple more questions for more. But well, other than I, that, I do have a question for you. When did you, um, when did you start using pot? To medicate yourself and why? Well, back when I went through like four back surgeries, 
and I started having these feet issues and nerve issues, uh, which prevents me from walking without crutches. And I can, I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried. The pain is just the stuff that bothers me. So it might have been three or four years ago uh, when somebody showed me, you know, oil. Now, were you about to, to do opiate? Did you have medication? Yeah, I did. I was, pills? I was hooked on OxyContin. I mean, when I had my I had a first knee replacement, which was in the year 2000. Yeah. And uh, I since have had the other one done and about four or five other surgeries. But that first knee, I remember being on OxyContin. I loved it. It was, you know, sweet. And then I was running out and I went back to the surgeon. Bing. Gave me another piece of paper. See you later. And it was that easy to get. Nobody. Yeah. But then I, I totally realized... I was addicted to this, or I was about to be go over the edge. And you didn't want any part of that. I did not want any part of that. I just, I felt I couldn't do my job or anything if I was hooked on this stuff. Right. So I, you know, I stopped taking it. Because you know, I, I I did a thing with Jim uh, um, McMahon. McMahon, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the quarterback. Quarterback. He, he was big advocate of. Because he, they, they said they made him take nine pills a day. I believe it for his whole career, and shoving them down his throat so he could be, you know, play and be functional. And he's a huge advocate now of cannabinoids because, as we've, as I said earlier, no one's ever died from it. It's a, it's a pain reliever. It's a, it's not. It doesn't disrupt your life. Cannabinoids do not dis, does not disrupt your regular routine of life and doesn't change you True. as a person. I think I should ask more. I should ask her in a perfect world what would things be like here. What, what do you see, you know, when you become governor, Mara, what do you see things, Right. Uh, how do you see things working for pot and the dispensaries and that? Well, you'd think the first thing she'd go for is to put some uh, Chinese massage parlors down in uh, Foxborough. <laughs> Maybe I should ask her. <laughs> Keep it local. I, <laughs> I should ask her seriously. I know we're cho- joking about that, but, okay, what's the trafficking situation here in Massachusetts? We know what it's like in Florida. What's it like here? I mean, I think everybody, all of us would be kind of shocked. Maybe yeah. not. And then ask her if she had, knows any addresses. <laughs> Just write them on this piece of paper. You don't have to give it to me on the air. <laughs> Apple Creek, Ohio Sick. gave us Bob LaBelle I've been, via New Hampshire and I've, Vermont and uh, the North Shore. When does the show start? I just want to know. It was good talking to you. Oh, yeah, we're going to start any minute. Okay, thanks. Yeah, we're just going to get a few things together. you have an introduction together. and everything? <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike Adams. <laughs> and you go on. I'm Glenn Ordway. How about we, you know, he doesn't live that far away. How about we give Bob, have Bob come back again sometime? Well, you, well, you have to. Say it! You, the answer is yes. Of course, I'm gonna, one of these days he's going to push me down those stairs. And that'll be the end of that. The great Bob LaBelle, everybody. Oh, please. <laughs>